I'm Anna Webb. Welcome to A Dog's Life. Hey, Mr Binks, you know that I've been glued to a book called On Hampstead Heath. Well, the funny thing is, we're going to jump on the overground and get to Hampstead Heath to record a podcast with the author of the book, Marika Kobold, at our lovely producer's studio, also in Hampstead. Hi, Marika. Welcome to A Dog's Life. Hello, it's lovely to be here. Well, it's lovely to see you again. The last time we met, I was offering some help with little Wilbur, who's here with us at the moment, your Daxhound. Yes, indeed. Much needed help. And he is—he needs some more help from you. But <laughs> he's a much improved Daxhound. I'm really pleased. Yeah. I think everything's fixable, you know. Yes, and, and he is, of course, pretty perfect. Anyhow, I want to hasten to add, not to sound disloyal. <laughs> no. But there are a few little issues needing ironing out. No, but not really. I mean, you know, he's a typical lockdown puppy, really. Yes, he is. Yes. You know, with all the issues that lockdown brought for dogs. Yeah. So it's not really his fault. No. And he's young, and so behaviours can be turned around yes. easily, I think. So. Yes, and he's very, he's very willing, that's the thing, he loves to please and very willing to learn. It's just really, it's, as they say, it's never a bad dog, it's a bad owner, and I'm just bad at being, being you know... Tough. Yeah, tough. Is, tough love is love I can do, tough love I'm not too good at. I know, exactly. <laughs> and eye contact, of course, that was the big one we, you He'd know, be very discussed. good on that, he and I. Better now. No, eye contact. We, yeah. Oh, you mean avoiding eye contact? Yes, avoiding. Oh, rather than, I was going to say, we're very good at having eye contact. You meant, yes, of but course. too much. Yes, Remember, yes. That's such yes. a subtle Oh, I thing. ignore him now a that, bit. Yes, good. Also brilliant to meet you because you're Swedish. Indeed. And I'm half Swedish, so I do love connections with Sweden. It uh, warms my heart, Marika. So. And you look Swedish, unlike me. So, no, so well, you, I wouldn't you. say that. I don't know. It's... <laughs> Blonde and blue-eyed, whereas I'm a sort of fake Swede, really, if you look at me more, more, more. But anyhow, yes, but I am Swedish, yeah. Exactly, exactly. It was funny, I was watching um, a programme with Judy Dench when they, you know, that programme on the BBC where they go back in time yes. and go Who do into you think the, you are? That's the one. And um, I had the telly on, I wasn't just, you know, watching it totally, but it caught my eye because she's part Danish. Like, way back in her family tree, there are Danes. Oh. And the funny thing was, she was so proud of this to be part Viking, Marika. People are people are very if you are sort of pretty Viking, um, on three sides of my family, one side were Jewish immigrants to Sweden, but on the other three sides they've been Swedish for in, in fact Swedish Danish for forever. And of course you grew up feeling terrible Viking shame. I know, because they really were a bit divide and conquer, weren't they? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not sure divide in the physical sense. They quite like to actually divide people in half more than, <laughs> than actually divide the kingdom. They weren't as they were quite sophisticated. And of course, they were actually not quite as heinous as is described in popular culture. And they had and also they were pretty good on women, not the ones they pillaged and raped, obviously, but Viking society back in, in Scandinavia, women had quite a powerful place in society. So, so you know, they had their redeeming features. 
Mm, that's interesting. Sort of. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Um, but uh, no, I know. I, I, I do love Scandinavia, though. And um, it was, most of Scandinavia was farming, wasn't it? So yes. there was just a few Vikings that went out around the world. But it was a minority of the population, yeah. really. Absolutely, absolutely. Very much a farming agra society, I think we say, don't we? <laughs> right, yes, yes. But in your book, mm -hmm. which I've got on my lap, and I have just finished it, on Hampstead Heath, Marika, I've got to say, this is a brilliant read. Um, partly because I suppose I'm in the media and this book is kind of set around newspapers and about the news and fake news which we've heard a lot about in the last few years and um, the character would you say um, character called Thorn yes. is loosely based on yourself? Well I, I would say that I don't like basing characters on myself because you know that's not that interesting quite frankly uh, <laughs> and I certainly don't write about my own life so there's nothing much. I mean, the, knowing about newspaper, I grew up in a newspaper family, so it's my world and her interests uh, and her sort of passion for truth and 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 and, and you know and her worry and her fear for a society where people really have stopped being able to distinguish between truth and fake when it comes to information. That's all concerns I share, um, but our our lives are very different, and our childhood. I had a very happy childhood she had a pretty miserable childhood uh, but I suppose what she says and thinks a lot of the time is pretty much what I would say and think in those situations yes. if that makes any sense at all. No it certainly does but it's it, it, there's several layers going on in, in the novel which I love and this whole kind of illusion of truth um, what is truth, yes. you know, and almost that you can fabricate the truth to even believe that that is truth. I so love that you actually totally get what it's about because oh. when you do, you know, unless you hammer home a message, because I quite like, to, I like a book to be fun to read and I like it to be entertaining, I don't like it to be obscure, I don't believe that a good book has to be a difficult book, but the danger of writing a book that is, is, is quite easy to read and maybe, I hope, entertaining in some ways, that the seriousness can get sort of you know, buried a little bit or, pe or you write lots of layers and you're a little bit subtle and people don't pick up on it. So it's absolutely wonderful to hear you say all picking up on all the things I sort of wanted to put in there. So oh. thank you. No, not at all. But of course, a seminal thread through the book is a little minpin yes. called Gilly. Yes. Who's very important to Thorn, the character. Yes. Um, because Gilly is uh, her, her dear friend Lottie's dog. Yeah. And Thorn helps uh, Lottie, who isn't very well yep. um, and she walks Gilly on the heath and this allows Thorne lots of time to enjoy obviously the amazing Hampstead Heath exactly. think and indeed meet I don't want to give away any spoilers but basically create the central part of the plot yes. meeting what will become the hashtag angel of the heath exactly <laughs> so but little Gilly he actually is based on your own miniature pincher. Yes, he definitely is based on... Um, he. When I started re writing the book, and it took me a long time to write it, and I had I was writing it before I got Gilly, and um, I was, was another dog. It was just a dog. I liked dogs, uh, obviously loved dogs, and he was in the story. Um, but then we lost Gilly, and uh, I was in, a, as they say, a very bad, dark place. 
and I had buried myself in work, was the only thing that sort of kept me vaguely sane. And, uh, and uh, sorry, that's my little that's dog whining. Uh, so, so I ended up, the only way I could still have the dog in the book, I just wrote Gilly, so he became my little dog. Um, yeah, so. So he's in the book. Yes, he's, he's, he lives in the book. He lives in the book. Yeah. Because, you know, in a way this is a bit of a tribute to Gilly, yes. you know, because um, you know how we're living in this world where, you know, dog theft has yep. just escalated, um, you know, beyond reason really yep. um, through the pandemic. But even before then, you know, nasty people would be around. It's funny watching Mr. Binks here with Wilbur because he's try look, he's, his dog language going on right here. Binks is play bow, looking away, see how his eye contact looks away from Wilbur so as not to be too much for him when Wilbur's looking sideways and he's trying to pull Wilbur out of himself to kind of feel relaxed. It's, it's, it's so sweet. It is really, really sweet, actually. To watch them together. It is. And um, Wilbur's now, look, he's a bit more perky. He's looking a bit more confident. <laughs> and Binks is a total softy. Oh, he's lovely. But he couldn't do all of this when I first got him. That's um, So, yes, you brought him completely out of... Of himself. Yes. Binks, are you trying... But we're recording, Binks. Why don't you come and sit in Billy's bed? <laughs> But yes, no, so it was a tragedy that happened, yes. Marika, yes. and I, I hope it it's was. okay to share <coughs> yes, this with I, our I, I, listeners. Of course. Because um, you were out one day with Gilly yes. on Hampstead Heath yeah. as normal. Yeah, we were, I, was, I was out and walking him, and he was only 11 months old, and um, he was absolutely, he's a very like Mr. Binks, he's a little minpin, exactly, little black minpin. And he was incredibly keen on other dogs and, of course, super, super fit. He was like a little antelope running around the heath. And he had run off, you know, after other dogs. But, you know, the heath seemed such a safe doggy place, you know. He was never gone for more than a few minutes. Um, you know, dogs are always on, you know. In fact, you're told that you're quite cruel if you don't let them run around uh, and play with other dogs. And um, this time... It's, it's difficult to put it in as very briefly because it was such a strange and terrible thing. But I was, um, he was playing with another couple of dogs and he was, you know, whatever, I'm here, whatever that distance is, in the, in the grass on the cusp of the hill on the heath. And he was playing with his other two dogs and then a dog walker with a whole big pack came across the path. So for a moment I lost sight of Gilly and when the sort of throng, the pack cleared, the other two dogs were there, but Gilly wasn't. And, you know, and I wasn't panicking at that point. It was like literally, at one point, somebody said he must have been killed by one of the dogs and lying in the grass afterwards because it was so quick. He was just gone. So, but somebody said, oh, he's over there. We saw him over there, so behind me. So I ran off there in that direction because he wasn't there. When I came back, you know, it was, he could be in any, any of four directions. Cut a long story short, what had happened was that he'd followed somebody with two other dogs and this person who lives in Hampstead walks his dogs on the heath had um, so Gilly had his name and my name and telephone number and everything on his harness but he chooses to make two quick phone calls um, on my mobile when I'm phoning my husband phoning the Hampstead, you know Ham, um, Hampstead uh, constabulary etc for help so he was engaged for you know five minutes or so 
And later I realised, because you have all the call history, he'd phoned twice within a couple of minutes, didn't leave a message. So then I saw somebody had called a different number, so I thought, oh, must be somebody, mobile number, who's found Gilly. So I call and the phone is turned off. So by that time, my husband is there, everyone's looking and, you know, all the rest of it. And I'm getting more and more panicked. I keep leaving messages for this person saying, look, if, if, you, if you have found my dog, please call back and so on. Anyhow, half an hour on, finally, finally calls back and says, yes, he had my dog and he left him tied up on the railings by the pond, mixed swimming pond, at which point I nearly, I said, are you insane? You know, you left a puppy tied up and just... Anyhow, by the time we got there, he was gone and uh, we didn't know what had happened, if he'd got himself free or what had happened. But later we found witnesses and also the next morning we were called by the RSPCA and he'd been brought in dead to them. He'd been run over, it was a different part of London, he was wearing a different collar. And so, and then later we found out that two women had come across him tied up, had taken him and obviously they hadn't looked. You know, he, they could just have called us, but they they stole they stole him, took him home to them, and then somehow he ended up dead on the main road. I'm so sorry to hear this. Yeah, it's 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 two years now, and you know it's not long. No, it's it's something I don't think you know to lose a dog. I had a lovely Chihuahua, and he died, age almost sixteen, in my arms. The vet came; he was ill. You know, almost sixteen came, and he was licking liver paste off my fingers, and he got an injection, and that was traumatic enough. But a different, different grief. But losing a puppy, and in those circumstances, and the absolute haunted by how scared he would have been, and were they nice to him, or were they horrible to him in that? And the only thing I can say is that I'm grateful at least we found out what happened to him because the people, and there are many, who lose a dog. If we hadn't found out, I could never have got another dog because, you know, I couldn't have sort of... And honestly, I don't think I could have coped because you hear about <coughs> these terrible stories that happens to dogs and the idea of your little dog suffering in that way is so unspeakable that the way I work and you know I'm a writer my imagination is pretty <laughs> hectic I don't know that I would have coped I, I don't know that but it's left me with such a fear that I don't let anyone take Wilbur out and I, <laughs> at all other than me and my husband. No well it's understandable uh, Marika I mean, I'm just you know the pain I could so relate to the pain yeah. Um, yeah. and that that God hasn't happened but um, you know, it's just that worry, you yeah. know, and, and as you say, what was going through his mind, but, yeah. you know. And he, it was so unnecessary, sorry, it was yes. the, the fact is the dog, but this, if this man, all he needed to do, there's, he was two minutes from the local vet, he must know that because he is local, he was, you know, he, if, even if he just let Gilly go, but he took him and tied him up because he thought he might follow him further or something, you know, that, that it's insanity to behave like that. Any normal person, any other person on the Heath would have just hung on to him and, and called us. Exactly, exactly. Or, or taken him to the vet five minutes away. So that that's adds a sort of layer of utter frustration and bitterness, really. Mm, no, oh gosh, Marika, absolutely, you know, hideous. And I think, you know, so it was so lovely for me to catch a glimpse of Gilly <laughs> in the book, yes. going back, you know, because 
I knew about Gilly before reading the book, so it it meant a lot actually that that moment where there were the dog walkers, <laughs> which obviously led to meeting I'd say what the protagonist, the other protagonist yes. really, the yes. main sort of plot, exactly. and how that then unravels. Yes. And, and you know, and that's what dogs do, isn't it? Oh, when yes. you're out with dogs. That's how I met um, our producer, our, yeah? our great producer, Mike, and his <laughs> wonderful partner Colette. That was walking Gilly, and they were walking Billy, and that's how we met. It's brilliant, yeah, isn't it? It's fantastic. You know, and now I've met you through through having this retrobate who needs. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he's just he's just a lockdown pup, but he's great. He's looking perky. Yes, looking at Mr. Binks. He's Mr. sort Binks. of a lifesaver, really. This yes. Little person. No, I think as well, you know, there's so many people have different views on when to get another dog. You know, it's when I lost my first Bull Terrier, Molly. You know, I was flattened, really. Um, I derailed. I, I managed to move to Shropshire, Marika, to be <laughs> near my mother. I know, yeah, it's only, like, nearly, it's in Wales, pretty much, yes, you I know. know. Yeah. <laughs> Things like that, which, you know, didn't do me any favours, really, at all. It's very far from Shropshire to London and yeah. so on. But, you know, you do these weird things yeah. in life. Yeah. and. It just happens, doesn't it? But the, the the grief is is unbelievable. But I did bite the bullet, swallow the bitter pill, and, and get another dog. And I think really for you, it was, I think, a good move to bring Wilbur into your life. It it was a very strange thing because after my Chihuahua died, I couldn't imagine having another dog. But I also loved having all his things around. You know, we didn't clear his things away for ages. We obviously kept some always, but you know, and it was a completely different. I, mean, I suppose it's the grief between you know losing a loved one who is very old and had a long good life and a good death, if there is such a thing, and a very young person uh, in traumatic circumstances so for some reason it's really weird I, I I just all that could keep me going was another dog it was like I had this and you know no one could ever I had a sort of gilly shaped hole in my heart which will never be filled because it's gilly shaped but there was also a dog puppy hole to be filled and 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 it's it really was a bit of a lifesaver if I hadn't had the idea of, of, of another little dog and that to look forward to and then he arrives. Oh, yeah, I don't want to be melodramatic, but as I said, I was not in a good place. So, so for me, that was, I was surprised myself, but for me, it was the right thing to do. Yes, because, you know, you have to keep in the moment, you've yeah. got to pick up their poo, yep. you have to exactly. walk them, exactly. and exactly. there's that you know, routine and structure yeah. that dogs, you know, it's a two-way street yeah. owning a dog. We give them the structure and the yeah. routine, but they also give it Absolutely. to us. And of course, you know, with lockdown that no one yeah. could have seen being yeah. around the corner, um, I, I'm sure, you know, Wilbur's been uh, uh, fabulous. Absolutely, and I work from home even when it's not lockdown, being a writer. Of course. So, so you know, it's, 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 it's great. And, um, but you know, we are, we are three, one person and two dogs on our heath walks because, you know, it's, it's, it's Wilbur and me and then Gilly's somehow there as well, you know, and it's both happy to think of him there and see him there, but also sad, you know, the heath now has become a place that's a bit of a mixed place for me. I love it, but it's never completely un 
complicated. No, I'm sure. I'm forever, yeah. you know, and that's yeah. a terrible shame because, you know, yeah. you live it. was it. just a happy place. And a happy place. <clears throat> but uh, the book as well, really, because it is called On Hampstead yes. Heath. So I guess it is, I know you started to write it before Gilly came into your life, but as you say, it's almost a tribute to him really, particularly um, with the characters in mind, you know, Thorne, and then you have, um, oh gosh, Rufus. Yes, absolutely. And this kind of uh, totally extraordinary way that they met and, um, you know, an unlikely match became the match. But Gilly was really the one that sort of spurred the whole thing on, wasn't he? And so he, he is a major role in the book. Oh, totally, because actually, I, the situation and the characters I had in my mind when I was working on the book forever, but where the pivotal event took place uh, only became Hampstead Heath when I got Gilly and started. Also, although I always lived nearby, I didn't walk a lot there. So it was Gilly, walking Gilly on the heath and seeing Viaduct Bridge every day um, that, that made me, so the whole book changed uh, venue really, it became a book about Hampstead Heath, which it wasn't before Gilly came into my life. So he was very much uh, influenced the whole, the whole book, I have to say. Uh, yeah. No, it's lovely and you get a real flavour of, of London in the book as well <laughs> yeah. and the media and, and at times it, it, it reminded me reading it a bit of the film, you know, The Post. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I've not seen it but it's on my list I now and I forgot about it so I must go I think you love watch it. it. Yes, I know, it was meant to be Meryl Streep, isn't it? it is, yes, yeah. and you look like Meryl Streep so the whole thing is <laughs> well. perfect and it's all about the truth and they don't sell out, I don't want to spoil it for you no, actually. No, 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 but, but it's... it's um, uh, it's a film you can see loads of times, oh. actually, because it just boosts you. If you're feeling low, yeah. you know, it's just such a tremendous... Oh, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go and, and I'll go and I'll watch it over the weekend. <laughs> That'll be a treat. Oh, but yes, but I love it as well because, you you know, you go through the seasons in, in, in the book as well. And you talk about children at Christmas and Hampstead on the high street at Christmas with all the pretty lights mm -hmm. and, and, and so on. And, and about your ex-husband coming around with a great big Christmas tree for you. <laughs> the, well, not for you, but for Thorne, the yes. character. And she was quite brisk about it all, really, and yes. um, didn't want this, this bloody great tree. And, um, and there's the whole thing, you know, about tradition, really. Yes, yes. Um, which I, I love, actually, being, you know, the Swedish side of me. You know, I do love my tomta. Yes. I've got, I've got quite a few of them. Oh, you they're know, lovely. They are. They're elves, aren't yeah. they, in English? Well, are they're, they, they're, we're very... Tomta is a, a pagan thing uh -huh. that is little creatures, little gnomey, goblin-y things that, use, that live in farm, farms and whatever, and they cause quite a lot of mischief uh -huh. and, and all the rest of it. And then it became kind of mixed up with Christmas and what we call the Yule Tomte, the Christmas Tomte, who is Father Christmas now becoming, you know, he's just like anybody else's Father Christmas, mm. but he's called Yule Tomte and then they're little Tomte Nissar, that they're called, which are little, little, little Tomtes who are now totally, yeah, Santa's elves, I suppose, but it's all has got slightly darker roots in those elves, you're mischievous, they're not nasty at all, but you know, we have a lot of fairy tales and, 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 and myths in Sweden and tomtes and you know, elves and fairies and you know, trolls, we're very big on trolls. I love trolls. Oh yeah, trolls, trolls, trolls we're big on trolls. Not nasty internet trolls, but 
complicated, no, no, like those serious trolls. trolls. Exactly. But in the book, you know, I must admit, I loved your cynicism a bit for social media in this, <laughs> yeah. I have to say. <laughs> Spend far too much time on Twitter. That's why I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know, and the other bit that I loved, the word just came out of the page to me. You see, I'm a massive, well, a reasonably massive Philip Pullman fan in that I do I love the Northern Lights yes. and his whole concept of demons and animals being your soul and of course without the animal aspect of yourself then you are nothing and yep. you die I just adored all of that um, and you you do call Gilly your demon yes 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 I do and and again I haven't actually read I I, I, I admire Philip Pullman because I know he's a fantastic writer and, and, and all the rest of it, but I haven't actually read him myself. So, 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 uh, so I'm extremely happy to hear that I share something with him because that's, uh, <laughs> you know, anything you share with Philip Pullman is, is a good thing. Yeah, I guess. I know. I mean, he is extraordinary. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, totally. Yeah. I mean, I know visions. all about it because I, you know, everyone talks about it. And I said, mm. I, I suppose because I didn't read it to my children for some reason. I'm not quite sure why. Uh, or maybe, maybe they weren't out then. And then, you know, I haven't read them all. Do you know, I haven't read Harry Potter either. No, I haven't read Harry you know. Potter. But I think Pullman's probably say it is in a different league it's it's di different it's it's a bit like the moomin trolls the finnish which is sort of really literature or or alice in wonderland it's not so much for children as it is for grown-ups in some ways although they are children's books ostensibly yeah everything works on different layers though actually you know yeah, exactly but um but no i love i love christmas um i i fond memories of spending Christmas in Sweden because unlike here obviously the main event is Christmas Eve exactly and it's all about ham and herring and like a big cold buffet yep. where you just an amazing potato salad that you can't get anywhere else apart from in Scandinavia I don't know why um, I think it might be the dill is it the Janssons temptation Janssons that's my mum's yeah. favourite thing yeah, Janssons yeah, yeah. yeah Janssons and then the, yeah it's it's a huge huge buffet and I shall now commit sacrilege and I'm glad my father in Sweden can't hear this but I would say one of the reasons I left Sweden was to get away from that damn Christmas buffet. I much <laughs> prefer turkey and sprouts and roast potato and Christmas pudding but it is a but Swedes are devoted to this. Totally yeah. devoted aren't they but also to all of the reindeer and I suppose because it's, there's always snow at Christmas yeah. that's yeah. guaranteed and it's proper snow that you get that whole Santa Claus experience with candles advent calendars bullar um and the whole works i think we with swedes probably because it is so dark and it is so you know and yes, winter does start so much earlier and lasts so much longer the swedes really do take christmas rather seriously and you know one lovely thing is that you have these they're quite common here now but the sort of electric candlesticks really with sort of like a triangle with with seven lights or something mm, like that one. not a menorah but it looks a bit like it and people basically have them in every window of the house and people don't draw curtains so you drive around town or the country and every window has a christmas light and 
you have the Lucia, which is the 13th of December, which is the festival of light, which is also a kind of pagan come Christian sort of mashup where young children walk through the streets in the dark and you have the Lucia who's got a crown of, of candles in her head and dressed in a sort of white robes and all the attendants dressed similarly. And, you know, it's a, we, we carry on, it goes on. And then after Christmas, you know, it's not just one day. And, um, and we take it, you know, and it's, 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 it's serious business in Sweden. And we, you know, I'm a, from a Jewish Christian mixed background, but we did take Christmas very seriously. And it was fun, not, not a commercial so much, but just the whole getting together and uh, decorating and, and wrapping presents and all the rest of it. So, mm. so yes, and Advent calendars are very important to my family, very. And I love advent calendars as well, I must say. Um, are they pagan as well? Do I don't you think, think so. Certainly not in Sweden. I no. think they're definitely leading up. And of course, interestingly, they end on the 24th mostly, don't they? Yes. Because they're, cause it's only really America, the English-speaking world, that has Christmas Day as the main Is it event. really? I only, think so. Oh, yeah. And of gosh. course, Russia and places like that, are, I think it's the 6th of January or something with right. their Christmas. Yeah, yes. But, but the rest of, of Europe, I think, have 24th as the main event. Mm, but advent calendars, no, I loved those as a child. But oh, yeah. do you think Wilbur's going to have a, an advent calendar, Marika? Because well, this is the thing. Advent calendars are now all the rage for metropolitan doggies. You are kidding me. Nope. <laughs> where I mean, we are now thinking, where can we lay our paws on, 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 on a doggy calendar? Because Wilbur, who's been on a diet since the summer, um, if it, is it anything edible in it by any chance? Well, yes. No, wow, yeah, because I mean, otherwise I'm not it, sure how much he would appreciate <laughs> it. <but. laughs> no, no. So, well, the great thing is this. We've got, I'll get you one of these, actually, Marika. Oh. So it's, it's a German brand called Fresco Dog. Fresco and Dog. I know, but it's all really natural, single source proteins. <laughs> and basically, so the 24 days are all different little bits, You're chunks joking. of meat. I know. Yeah, no, I'm not joking. So Wilbur could have a bit of venison, which is very Scandinavian. Is there one for me as well? No, not in well, this. Why is it a bottle of gin? No, sorry. No, 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 not even alcohol-free gin, which apparently is all the rage now. Yeah, well, that's pointless, isn't it? it but, is anyway, but back to the doggy calendar, you're serious. This is the thing. This is the thing. Oh, I know, and this is all quite new, actually. And um, so I'm very excited about this for, for Prudence and Mr. Binks, actually. Oh, I, I would love one for Wilbur. We'll get this sorted out. So, because yes. He's very, I think he's a very intelligent animal, obviously. And very. And I think, honestly, he would get very excited about coming down to the kitchen every morning with us and, um, and, um, and, and sort of have a little thing and, and get a, a treat from his calendar. I think that's wonderful. Well, I think it's brilliant, you see, because it offers another training opportunity yep. in the day. So we have to do our sit, yes. we get, you know, the dog's level um, and open it up and make <laughs> a big deal. But he's got to hold the sit, stay, and then he gets his reward. And then that's it's brilliant. like play a game of fetch in the garden. So it adds to that build up because yeah. I really believe dogs know it's Christmas. Oh. 
in fact, they know something big is going on. What with the tree being put oh, up, yeah. and they, everyone's getting super stressed out, <laughs> and they're probably thinking, "What is all this hoo-ha?" And lots for? of food that he can't reach if you're a dachshund. Exactly, <laughs> or allowed to eat like the yeah. mince pies. Yes, and exactly. Oh gosh, no mince pies. No, please. no, or too much chocolate. So there's no chocolate in these advent calendars. No, of course not. Of course, not. no, no. But um, yes, I know, and it's kind of this thing that Christmas is now you know, really on the map for dogs as being part of the family, yes. which I think is fantastic, really. Oh, we always, we do wrap presents, of course, always for our dogs. Uh, you have to wrap them so there's not too much sellotape, but lots of wrapping paper, because so they can sort of, but they're so, you can't just sit everyone opening presents and the dog sits there and doesn't get his presents. That's <laughs> that's just mean, isn't it? It is mean, yeah. I agree. Yeah. So. Now, yeah. It is. It's um, a big, a big thing, a big thing for discerning metropolitan doggies, <laughs> which Wilbur is definitely one of. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but also, you know, going back to your writing and, and literature, I guess dogs play such a role, don't they, in, in novels generally as being, you know, a way to move the plot forwards, move it backwards, show other characteristics from other people in the book you know if they're nice people if they Absolutely. like dogs if they're thoughtful spot on like Rufus yeah. you know in the cafe yeah. who said I think um, Gilly wants a, a bowl of water yeah. and that that's spot on you can so because we all know if we love animals we all know what we think of people who don't like animals and, yeah. and let alone anyone who treats them badly but we also know the fellow feeling you get from a fellow animal and dog Ooh lover so you can show exactly you can show not tell the great fiction man yeah, through tell. through their behavior to the dog exactly so you don't always have to well but darling you don't always no no, no don't reward it sorry, sorry that's, oh, that's, <laughs> you think you think i'm not listening to a word you said <laughs> and but you know it's absolutely true because you don't always want the character to have to talk to other people that much but you can have other people interacting with her dog and then you get a feel for the character as you say well it's all food for thought thank you <laughs> till next time thank you well mr binks that's our show what did you think yes wilbur is a lovely miniature dachshund and you guys look like you're going to be best friends What's that, Mr. Binks? Oh, yes, you're right. It is time for Woof of the Week. <coughs> Never underestimate the profound grief that dog owners suffer, particularly when a dog dies suddenly in unexpected circumstances. <coughs> Thank you again to Marika Cobalt for joining us today. All the links to On Hampstead Heath and to her will be in the show notes. Thank you to Mike Hansen, my brilliant producer. Find out more about him at Pod People UK. And for me, I'm at Anna Webb Dogs. What's that, Mr. Binks? Yes, we will be back in your feed next Sunday. So why don't you all subscribe now? Then you'll never miss another show. Bye for now. Bye.